Get your Google vehicle ads up and running fast with FlexDealer.com. The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is the Dealer Playbook. gang unless you've been living under a rock you should know by now that the world's evolving things are changing new currencies web 3 the metaverse nfts there are so many new and emerging technologies and things that are happening that are shaping the way that consumers move to a purchase and i mean it's so important for us to pay attention to those things and no better individual to join us than the what do we say now? The head coach of marketing at Jeff <laughs> Weiler Automotive Family. Yes. So excited to have you, Kevin Fry. Welcome back to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. It is great to join you as well, Michael. I'm excited to talk a little bit about our uh, work and use of with cryptocurrency as of late. And of course, any other hot topics you might throw at me. Yeah, I'm excited. Are you going to be talking about this at Digital Dealer? You know, it's funny you asked that because I wasn't originally, uh, but I am going to include our first cryptocurrency transaction within that just because I've had so many phone calls, emails, <laughs> etc. with people with questions about how we're doing it. Is it something that you could just get into? I mean, when I look at the work you've done over the years, I've heard you speak maybe a dozen times. It's always so... Um, it, it resonates so deeply. It's tactical where it needs to be tactical. It's foundational where it needs to be. But it's clear as I listen to you speak over the years, you're not someone that just goes, oh, we need to do that, but we don't have this yet. But let's just not, let's just sweep that under the rug. No, you, you're focused on operation and making sure that you're set up to succeed. Is that a fair assessment? It is. And, you know, the secret to innovation, there's really a couple aspects of it. Number one, you're never satisfied with what you currently have. So you always question everything you're doing. Can we do it better? And then the, the other aspects, and I'm literally looking at a sign outside my window in the marketing space, is that we take the word no out of the word innovate. Because it's so easy to have an idea that's way out there and just say no. I don't think we can do it. There's too much aggravation. We take the opposite approach, and that enables us to lead with innovations, for example, with cryptocurrency. Wow. So let's talk about this. I mean, of course, that's that's likely why everyone's listening. They don't want to talk, they don't want to hear us talk about the years and years of work you've put in and how that's prepared you for a crypto transaction. You were saying earlier that it's that it's probably easier than a lot of people um, think. I want to just reference, let me just pull up here on your LinkedIn. By the way, DPB gang, if you're not following Kevin on LinkedIn, you definitely need to do that. We'll link to his profile in the show notes. Um, you said something here about how, yeah, here we go. This is about a week ago. You say, we have already accepted cryptocurrency for several car transactions, always looking to lead and be more consumer facing. So here I am being like, oh, good job. They, they did a crypto transaction. And you're saying, no, we've actually done a few of them. 
What does it look like? How do you even set something like that up? Well, let me start with the the birth of the idea. And it actually came from my dealer principal's kids. And they said something to him about why don't we accept cryptocurrency at the Jeff Weiler Automotive family? And he passed that on to me. So what I'd like to do is start out with Michael is some of the fears and concerns that I know dealers have everywhere to include being on this uh, podcast today. Uh, number one, the volatility and a risk factor. So if you've played with cryptocurrency, you can see tremendous ups and downs in the value on a daily basis. So as a dealer, one of the big concerns is that, hey, if I accept cryptocurrency, let's say for argument's sake, it's $25,000 that I accepted. And three days later, when I go to finalize a deal, now it's only worth 20 grand. Did I just lose $5,000? Right. Of course, it could trend and go the opposite way. And then in the other respect, just the way we work, if I have a floating number because of volatility before I finalize that deal, how do I pay a sales commission? A sales commission is on a firm selling price, a firm cost, etc. So we started doing our due diligence last year in August to address these issues. And when I lay out how we're doing it, I think we're not only going to alleviate the concerns that dealers have, you're going to be surprised at how simple we're doing it. It's funny you bring all of that up because you're right. My first thought was, what are the tax implications? Yes, that's a common question. And I got to share you and this, please take me right, everybody in podcast land. I always, whenever you innovate, you get about half of the dealer audience is like, hey, great job. And the other half is like calling you a clown, a fool, every name in the book. How could you do something? <laughs> and, and I'm just used to it at this point. But it also makes it kind of fun to walk you through how we approached it and solve the problem. I can talk about some of the taxation issues, but I'm gonna tell you now, a lot of this is still gray area with cryptocurrency and accounting and how it's being taxed, not only in the United States, but throughout the world. Okay, this is, I love everything about this. I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm the biggest geek there is or whatever, but I love this and you're right, I mean, Human nature, I think, is that we tend to fear what we can't understand. Mm -hmm. And so then, of course, I mean, look at look at uh, Elon Musk's haters right now. That why would this guy buy 9% of a company that's not really that? And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, he's working a bigger plan. He's, he's, he's working a bigger plan. Um, and so I get that side of things. But I'm really interested now speaking directly to those who are curious about this. Well, what did the process look like? You said you, you said August is when you started thinking about this of last year? August, we started doing the due diligence to work how we could do this and accept it. And we actually got everything in place of February of this year, but we hadn't started marketing it until late uh, March and then had our first transaction in April. And then we've been approached several times uh, since the press release because the word is now getting out, there's some excitement about it. The press release actually exploded worldwide, especially wow. with the cryptocurrency sites. And specifically, our first transaction was with Ethereum, which is one of the cryptocurrencies. That audience really took off with it. 
uh, as well. Uh, but if you'd like, I could walk you through the mechanics of how it's set up and how we're doing it. I think that's going to answer 90% of the questions. Yeah, let, let's do it. I'm ready to dig in. So let me draw the first analogy. So I like to use some simple analogies. Let's say I fly to France. And when I get off the plane, I need to get some French currency. So typically at the airport, you're going to see a currency exchange service, which is essentially business for a fee. We'll take my U.S. dollars and exchange those into French francs at that point. That is the type of situation that we have set up. We're working with a third-party exchange service that actually handles the transaction so that we never formally take possession of the cryptocurrency. All right. So that's going to surprise a lot of people, but let me walk you through how that works, and it's going to make a lot of sense. A consumer walks into our dealership, and they indicate that I would like to buy the car using cryptocurrency or pay part of the transaction amount with cryptocurrency. We will ask them, what is the amount of cryptocurrency you want to apply? And let's say for argument's sake, it's $15,000. What we will do is with this exchange service, we're going to generate an invoice for that $15,000. We will email that to our customer. When they get that, they can select up to 12 different cryptocurrencies and they can either A, do 15,000 all from one cryptocurrency. Maybe they wanna do a mix of say 10,000 of Bitcoin and 5,000 of Ethereum. And then on that amount, there is a 1% processing fee. So think similar to a credit card transaction. Mm -hmm. In our case, we put that processing fee builds into the invoice. So that is bared by the customer, that cost. Once that is complete, we get the money in U.S. dollars transferred directly via ACH to our bank account within 24 to 48 hours. So we have no risk. We are going to get in U.S. dollars the exact amount that we transacted. Now, mind you, the person in the middle of the exchange service, if that cryptocurrency goes up in value, they bear the benefit. If it goes down in value, they take the loss, but of course they have the processing fee to offset that. So Michael, what I would suggest to you in another analogy is it's just another form of payment. It's like using a credit card. I might have an American Express. I might have a Visa. I have cryptocurrency, but at the end of the day, I'm getting U.S. dollars. Yeah, makes total sense. And also... With a 1% processing fee, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than processing in an Amex. Well, you know, the I got to tell you in our first transaction, and this, this when you innovate, you start finding these stories along the way. We had a gentleman that was interested in an S580 at our Mercedes-Benz point, mm -hmm. and we came to terms on the deal, at which point he informs us he's in Saudi Arabia and wants to do an international wire transfer. That means at least a one week delay. Right. And right now with inventory situations and dealers, nobody wants to put a hold on a car in for a week. However, by using cryptocurrency, we're essentially snap getting approved just like that, getting that money in there. 
So it becomes incredibly simple for him as the customer. It's also consumer facing because he can utilize his assets, his cryptocurrency to pay for the vehicle. And it's a win-win for both sides. Oh man. And you know what I love about this is it bypasses because it's decentralized and, and whatnot, you essentially become your own bank. I mean, or at least could have the potential to be in that this didn't have to pass through. I mean, other than the company that's helping you facilitate it mm-hmm. in a lot of day-to-day scenarios, there's no intermediary. This is going from them, their wallet, to my wallet. Well, we do have an intermediary with the exchange service we're using. But I'm going to put this out to you, Michael, because this is some of the <laughs> feedback I'm getting. And so this is the approach we're taking, which is fairly conservative. There are people out there, businesses, and you're going to see this uh, prevalent in Europe for the past year, where the the business directly wants to take the cryptocurrency in exchange for the product or service they're selling because they're going to put it on their balance sheet. Now, I'm going to tell you what, by golly, when you want to get to the accounting of putting that on your balance sheet, it's going to get tricky. But they're looking at it as an investment opportunity and ability to mine, essentially, and collect cryptocurrency Mm. into their portfolio. Am I recommending that to dealers out there? I can't see a public doing it. Maybe some smaller privates might want to do it. But for us, we're just going to act with an exchange service in the middle. So we're dealing with U.S. dollars. Yeah, and, and that makes perfect sense. And like you said, it mitigates a lot of the risk. There's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just facilitating a new, faster way to exchange currency and then getting it out in the currency that I need to go buy bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that, that makes perfect sense. Now, why in the world does somebody in Saudi Arabia reach out like was this just a such a rare mercedes that they were like i can't get it here or what is that or or are they from here i like this question because it's funny it's a lot more of our luxury buyers <laughs> that have expressed entrance interest in leveraging their cryptocurrency they've been early adopters uh they've done well and they're looking for opportunities to utilize it um yeah it, on a luxury vehicle if it's a specific car specific color we already sell throughout the United States with our two Mercedes-Benz points. Overseas, not as much, but in this case, I couldn't tell you exactly what he saw in that vehicle, but I know that he wanted it. <laughs> we are willing to sell it and deliver. It's funny. I'm reading through the comments, and you're right. As you explain it, I go, this seems pretty cut and dry, but also opens up a whole new avenue where it, it it kind of answers the question that a lot of us have had. Is crypto a fad? Is it going to go anywhere? Is it not going to go anywhere? Well, now all of a sudden you're, you're explaining a very practical use for crypto. Not, no, Hey, I'm not just buying Dogecoin because Elon said or whatever. No, there's a legitimate group of investors out there who have crypto in their bank account. And I've just given them a faster, more convenient way to transact. Um, but it almost sounds too good to be true. So in that, call it six month due diligence process, what were some of the infrastructure things aside from the, 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 um, exchange company, was there anything else that internally you guys needed to think about and implement a process around? 
Our biggest struggle in the beginning was we were looking at actually taking possession of the cryptocurrency. Once we got past not doing that, it became much simpler. But I will allude to some of the tax questions, and please let me preface this. I'm not, a, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a tax attorney, and we're gonna cover some sensitive areas. Um, but some of the questions I've got about, well, how, how do you handle the taxation on the consumer for the cryptocurrency from the standpoint, I'll throw out some random numbers. Let's say I bought uh, Bitcoin for $1,000 per coin. Now it's worth 40 grand a coin. How do we tax that? Well, my answer is we have nothing to do with that. If you utilize money from your savings account and you had an interest rate and you made some money on that, you're going to pay that to the IRS independent of us as a dealer. All we know is that you purchased cash transaction from us, uh, this vehicle using some cryptocurrency. And the sales tax and respective taxes based upon wherever you're selling will apply to the full transaction as normal. Um, in terms of reporting a uh, over 10,000 in cash, this is electronic. So it's not actually a physical cash transaction, which is obviously those rules are based around people trying to launder right. you know, physical currency. So that doesn't apply. Um, but which you, you can't part, launder, you can't launder crypto because it's all on the blockchain. It's electronic. And, yeah. and, you know, we could go a whole side conversation on blockchain but the security of that is unbelievable. It really is. That's part of the beauty of cryptocurrency. But the on the taxation of gains made with cryptocurrency, this is a hot, hot topic because, of course, every government in the world wants to get their hand in the kitty. How do I tax this person on this currency that they don't even control? And you could do a whole complete different show on that. All I will suggest is that this year while filing, filing my taxes electronically was the first time I saw the question, hey, did you want to report any gains or income on cryptocurrency? And it seems like the IRS is going by a, you know, do you, do you feel guilty or really honest to report that? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> do, hey, do, do you want to report? That's well, the answer to that is simple. No, I don't want to yeah. report. Similar to if you bought anything online and you didn't pay sales tax, uh, which is a voluntary submission on your IRS. I believe, and I'm sure there's some much better experts on this podcast listening in, that that is a really great area that governments want to control, but I don't necessarily think they have control over that. Yeah, and, and how can you? I mean, I guess this is why governments right now are scrambling to create oh government sanctioned cryptos absolutely right like i'm gonna like i'm gonna buy that you <laughs> like i'm gonna invest in that oh oh government sanctioned okay you got me i'm just gonna sell all my ethereum all my bitcoin my xrp um but but you do you know you're right it can be perceived as a gray area but i look at the specifics of that question do you because i've seen that question too do you want to report well, you're asking if I want to do something. The answer is no. I've answered honestly. <laughs> if you're asking me if I have any to report, that's a different question. Um, you know, that's a different question. Okay, yeah, I do have some. I do have some. But if you're asking if I want to report it, no, I don't. 
I've, well, I've got some news for you. If you are speculating, you're investing in a cryptocurrency and uh, request a 1099, uh, it doesn't exist. They don't generate that paperwork. Interesting. So that's part more of that gray area. But you know, the telling statement, if you get online, there's a great video on with CBS News, like a seven-minute video, kind of like a cryptocurrency for dummies. And the common theme amongst all of the experts is that don't invest any more than you're willing to lose. So it is still a highly speculative instrument. But in the same respect, a lot of our younger people, the millennials, like it because they're young, they've got time, they're willing to do some high risk and expectations of some high returns uh, in the future. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Does Jeff Weiler Automotive have any plans to get into the NFT game? Uh, I am not aware at this time uh, if they are. It, I That was one of those things that I'm like, so let me get this straight. I'm buying an original piece of digital art so that I can say, I uh, well, like, what do I do with it? That was where my original thoughts went. And now I'm realizing, oh, this is actually just a creative way that people are crowdsourcing or crowdfunding, mm-hmm. um, y- you know, buying shares into some sort of digital, you know, ecosystem where money will be generated. So I think that's really interesting. Um, can you give us a sneak peek on what you're talking about at Digital Dealer? I know it's good. You, you've mentioned it's going to include a little bit of this, but can you can you wet our whistle just a little bit? You know, I'm going to have some fun at this Digital Dealer and uh, and. I'm stealing this from my kids who are getting a little bit older now, but it's basically sipping some tea. And I'm going to talk about some of the hot topics of the day. I guarantee I'm going to press some buttons. But listen, even as I bring these topics up now, there's probably going to be some people start sweating and get upset. But some of the questions I'm going to address is, do we still really need SEO or are there better solutions? Uh, do, Do we need SEM? Or are there different alternatives that can accomplish more than SEM? Should we be using forms on websites or going 100% chat? I'm going to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency. And I'm also going to be talking about the future of our current market, which I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not bullish. Uh, we have the Fed meeting again tomorrow, probably going to raise rates by half a point. So just a lot of hot topics that I know we're going to fire some people up at Michael at the end of the day. I'm a fellow dealer. I'm on the front lines. I deal with this 24-7. And I believe with that in mind, my input usually has a lot of credibility with the fellow dealers in the room who are struggling just like myself with difficult decisions. Well, I mean, like I said, I've always, always enjoyed listening to you speak. And you're right. You you um, have a very keen way of calling it how it is based on how it is. And it does come with the credibility of of, you know, by virtue of the seat that you're sitting in, um, not an A6 intruder, but I, I, I got to draw attention to it. You said A6 intruder earlier, and I love that airplane. Um, is that what you flew? Yeah, that, uh, you know what? Uh, I was an aerospace engineer in, in college. <laughs> and from the aerospace side, there are some airframes you can only design so far, and you've really done well. And the A6 was one of those, a fantastic airframe. The reality is with the modern military, they have dual purpose aircraft, fighter, attack. It's a lot more inexpensive and whatnot. 
but uh, you know, it's funny. I think everything I flew in is in a museum now. <laughs> <laughs> it's they're they're placing it on the on the stand outside the museum, the one yeah, that's always I, outside I, on display. Um, I, I we were talking pre-show about my love of airplanes and how I it's it's on my bucket list. I need to be get my pilot's license. But I mean, from your experience in the service, um, I, I know a couple of other, you know, friends and colleagues who have flown airplanes. Is can you map everything you do today back to flying an airplane like they can? Uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what you mean there. Well, what I mean is operationally, you, you know, like there's always an airplane flying an airplane analogy. Are you able to are you able to find analogies to bit from business to flying airplanes? I would probably give it more to just the leadership skills taught to you as mm. an naval officer. And, you know, it, it's always about adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. Um, it leads to a lot of the innovation stuff I do. Don't take no for an answer. How do you accomplish what you're trying to do? You know, I would say in the aviation side, the thing that blows me away is so when I was a young guy and I was flying in a desert storm, the multitasking is absolutely insane. I'd be listening to seven different radio frequencies while trying to fly a plane uh, to keep it out of the water, trying to navigate to know where the heck I'm at, trying to develop a weapon solutions while trying not to get shot down. And you're doing 500 things, and it, it was difficult to build up to that level. Today, and I, I mean this in dead serious, kids playing these video games and they've got the headsets on and they got their smartphone to the side. It's like they're a natural for this multitasking. And it's exciting to see this new wave of talent come into the military flying aircraft. I think they're much better prepared than we were back then. Wow, that's tremendous. And my crazy brain can't help but say, I'm listening to everything you just said. And my victory is like, I got to inbox zero. <laughs> you know, it's like a big perspective thing. Man, I have so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so, so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook. How can those listening get in touch with you? Well, they're more than welcome to connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. They can email me directly at kevin.fry.fryd at jeffwilder.com. Or of course, always come up and say hello at Digital Dealer DMSC, any of the shows that I'm out at. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.